Hey everyone, I just want to take a minute to tell you about my Amazon number one best-selling book, Culture of Excellence. How do culture and leadership impact the performance of a team? For the past 30 years, one organization in baseball has stood taller than all of the rest, the New York Yankees. In Culture of Excellence, Colin Sumelia, that's me, takes us inside baseball's most successful franchise to uncover compelling and useful lessons in leadership. Culture of Excellence is transformative in its premise. It shares strategies you will want to apply and knowledge you can acquire to effectively improve your team and motivate your people. With three foundational pillars, you can become a more effective leader and build a culture of excellence through stories from the Yankees. And you can purchase your copy of Culture of Excellence from any online retailer. There are hard copy, ebook, and audiobook versions available. You can also purchase a hard copy of the book directly from me, and I will personalize it for you and send you swag items like a bookmark and a sticker. Head over to www.talent409.com backslash culture dash of dash excellence to view all of your options and learn how you can discover your talent altitude through my book, Culture of Excellence. Welcome to the Dynamic Leaders Podcast. I am your host, Colin Cernelia. Thank you for joining us today, and please head over to talent409.com to learn more about how we can help your team with their leadership and culture development. Wherever you are in the world, and whether it's the seven pillars of dynamic leadership, culture pyramid building, or anything else, let our team of experts help you discover your talent altitude. This podcast is available on Spotify, Amazon, YouTube, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. You can help the show grow by taking a minute and leaving a rating and review on your podcast listening platform, or by sharing this episode with a friend and on social media. And on to episode 134 of the Dynamic Leaders Podcast. Today, my guest is one of my favorite people out there. It is Ryan Henry. Ryan is so funny. You are going to love this episode. She's a future comedian, future SNL host, staff member, writer, you name it. She's going to go big time soon. Ryan is also a current college student at Villanova University, where she plays for the softball team and is a catcher, leader, really great friend. We talk about all of that. We talk about her aspiring comedian career. We talk about her podcast that she hosts as well. So much to get into. So let's dive right into it. Here is my conversation with the amazing Ryan Henry. Okay, everyone, welcome to the Dynamic Leaders Podcast. Today, my guest with me is the incredible Ryan Henry. Ryan, thank you so much for joining the show. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. This has been a long time coming. (laughs) Yeah, it's been a long time coming for me too. We connected during the whole COVID craziness and we've had a bunch of virtual conversations. And through those conversations, I've discovered so much about you. And I said, hey, Ryan, 
I have to have you on my podcast. Like you are, you are one of those dynamic leaders that I am always talking about. So I'm thrilled to be able to have this conversation for other people to get to hear today. And we're going to get through as much as we can. So to start the conversation, I would just love if you could give a little bit of background on yourself. So please tell the listening audience, who are you? Oh, Lordy. Um, so I am Ryan Henry. That's, oh yeah, that's so stupid. But um, I'm from Ramsey, New Jersey, but I always say New York City because I'm not a big Jersey fan. Um, I am a junior softball player at Villanova University. I'm a catcher or whatever they need me to be. Mostly a catcher because I really can't run that fast. Um, and I'm studying communication and theater and I love it. Um, and I'm kind of like one of those people who wants to check every single box before they croak. <laughs> Uh, that is the truest statement in the world, checking every box. And we're definitely going to get to a little bit more about that and, and why I think that about you and why other people are probably going to think that about you as we get through this conversation. But let's stick with athletics then, you know, much like most of the people that I bring onto this show, you have an athletic background, you're a current student athlete, as you mentioned at Villanova. So I'd love to, you know, when did softball kind of become a thing where you said, Hey, I'm really going to be able to take this pretty far, like whether or not you knew you were going to play in college, like when did, you know, sports and softball maybe in particular become something that you got really serious about? Um, it was probably like when I was five, when my mom told me I was a bad dancer <laughs> um, it just kind of was impulse. I'm like, I'm bad at dancing, so I must be playing a sport. That's what like the impulse was immediately. Um, but I grew up playing softball. That was like the one sport that always clicked. Um, I wanted to be a pitcher for the longest time. And that's like the first memory I have with softball is I was pitching. And my dad comes up because my dad coached me until high school. And he pulls me out. He's like, just go get the gear on. Just go get the gear on. And I've been catching ever since. Um, I played field hockey and softball throughout high school and I was like I want to play a college sport I just kind of knew like immediately I grew up watching college sports like every weekend I was either at a tournament or it was raining and I was watching either college football college softball college I don't know golf at this point like frisbee golf we watch that sometimes um literally anything and like I'm not like we're not my family is not like the athletic breed-in family that you see a lot like I'm the only one that plays a college sport and probably the only one that will play a college sport. So it was kind of like growing up, I'm like, oh, like I'm Ryan, I'm going to play a college sport. That's my, that's my path. It was just me meant to be. Sure. Sure. And that just, I guess, adds to, you got to check every box, like you yeah. said. So. <laughs> yeah. so I'm really interested to hear a little bit more. And we've talked a little bit about this and, uh, for those that have listened to past podcast episodes, Bridget Orchard is a guest that I've had on the past year, current coach, head coach at Villanova. And your relationship with Bridget is uh, unique, I guess, to put it lightly, because uh, and we'll we'll get a little bit deeper into some of the leadership things and especially as a catcher and what all that means. But just the start of your relationship was a little different because you had committed to Bridget when she was still the head coach at a different university and took it. She ended up, long story short, taking a job at a new university and said, hey, Ryan, you want to come with me? you took that leap of faith. So I'd love to hear a little bit more about like what that experience was like, <laughs> like why, why was it something where you said like when Bridget asked you to 
come with you to Villanova when she was leaving Fordham to go to Villanova? Why was that an easy decision for you? Um, <laughs> it actually was okay. So it was a very difficult process because so Bridget left like after I signed my NLI and the NLI is like the sh- one of the, sh- like, I think it's harder to get out of an NLI than it is a divorce. Like, I think it's harder. So she left, I got a phone call like right before my senior game. It was from my dad. He was like, Hey, um, one of my, my the pitcher for my high school team also plays at Villanova and she's a year younger. So she wasn't signed. So he calls me up. Hey, he's like, Hey Ryan, before like you start your game, like, just, I want to let you know, like Bridget's leaving for them. I'm like, I was like, what is going on? And I knew I couldn't tell my pitcher because it was a really important game and I didn't want to get in her head. <laughs> so I it was like the entire game. Like, I don't know what's going on. Like, am I going to still play college softball? Like what's happening? I had no clue she was going to Villanova. I just know, knew that she was leaving. So I just like ended up, I'm like, I guess I'm going to Florida and all like, I knew the new coach and I, um, it was at a tournament right before, like the weekend before my high school graduation. And Bridget apparently goes up to either my dad or my club coach and like, cause she can't talk to me. And she's like, Hey, would Ryan want to come to Villanova? And my dad told me that. And he, I was like, what? Cause I looked at Villanova and I, my first impulse is like, I have no chance of getting into that school. No chance. <laughs> but I like thought about it all through Colorado. Bridget literally came to every single one of my games and that Colorado tournament was probably one of my best in my entire club ball career. Um, it was like one of the moments, like if I, like when I look back in like the next 40 years and like, that was the moment, like I had fun, like pure joy playing softball. Like I don't remember a single bad thing on that trip. Um, and like I was playing with, I think it's, yeah, two other girls who are ended up like Allie Jones, who's the other catcher, one of the other catchers at Villanova was on my team and Victoria Sebastian, my high school pitcher and club pitcher. So like, I kind of knew like Bridget, like wanted, like I instantly connected with Bridget when I was getting recruited by her. She was like the one who kind of stood out to me. Um, Not only her, but also her dad who always came to the games too as well. And I love her dad. I love coach Gabby. And then, it just kind of like clicked. I ended up visiting Villanova a week after Colorado and I was like, okay, I'm, I'm coming here. It makes, I'm just going to take the risk. Um, it was really unconventional. Um, I was so nervous coming in. It's like, actually I committed. I'm like, okay, I'm going to Villanova now. And then like the week before I moved in, I'm like, wait, I don't know anyone <laughs> knew no one. <laughs> and, but it was a risk that I'm forever grateful for. Um, very unconventional, but I think that sums up a lot of my life. So it's fair. Sure, sure. And I guess I probably phrased that question. It's it's easy to look back on that decision now, I would say, and oh, say yeah. that you made the right decision. But at the time, it was a little oh, bit I was I was geeking out every day. I was like, is this the right choice? Like, I love New York City. Like, what's going on? Like, I can't believe I'm doing this. <laughs> and I'm, I remember, like, sitting down with my mom. And my mom is from New York City, like, born and raised. And she's like, you should go to Villanova. I'm like, what is going on? What I was like, is this inception? Like, what is going on? Yeah. <laughs> but it was... I, through all that struggle and all like that thinking, I think that was probably the most thinking I ever done in my life. It was, I'm really grateful for it. Yeah. It's obviously a huge decision and a key moment in your life. So I totally understand now, as far as maybe like a turning point or when you maybe felt more confident in that decision, was it as simple as getting on campus and having an opportunity to start building a relationship with Bridget and with your teammates? I mean, I imagine that 
that part of it was probably difficult because as you mentioned and for those that don't know there's certain rules and regulations throughout the ncaa it wasn't like bridget didn't want to talk to you <laughs> but in order for her to comply and keep her job so that she can coach you there are certain dead times where you cannot communicate with student athletes so was it you know getting on campus was there another moment where you just said okay this this does feel right like how long did it take for you to get to that point where you were like all right this was the right decision i I would say middle of first semester or the end of first semester, because my first semester, I got really, really sick. I got diagnosed with type 1 diabetes in, like, I went into full diabetic ketoacidosis, which basically means my entire blood went acidic, and I was in the hospital for about a week. Um, it, like, I felt terrible, and then, like, when I came back, I literally, I was like, I need to go right back to practice. Like, Bridget texted me the day of. She's like, you don't have to come back right away. Like, you can take all the time you need. I'm like, no, I need to come back. And that first week back playing after I was in the hospital tied up to all these wires and people poking me in the wee hours of the morning, like, it kind of made sense. I'm like, all my team came to the hospital when I was there. They literally every day, like, text me, are you feeling okay? And even now, um... Like, I wear a thing on my arm. They're constantly asking for my blood sugar. They're constantly checking on me. And it's, like, like, I guess, like, that's, like, a really extreme, like, oh, like, most people are, like, oh, I knew I wanted to come to a school or I'm, I knew I was meant here when I met my best friend or I met this person. <laughs> I got diagnosed with a chronic illness and I was, like, this is the right place for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know, and, that, and that's another life moment, if you will. And you know, for Bridget to connect with you and to reach out and engage with you in the way that she did and show that you know, she cares about you off the field as much as she cares about what you can do for her on the yeah. field. And you know, that, that is relationship building, right? Yeah. And she like, like there was a level of trust of like, like she knew, like, like now she knows like, Hey, like when you need to like stop, like stop and all the coaches know. And like, have, like, I felt like the day Bridget came into the hospital when I was in the ICU, like, Bridget has, like, this smile that you just, like, can't, like, it just makes you, like, smile and laugh back. And I remember her just, like, peeking her head. Like, it was, like, the door. And she just peeks her head. And I was just, I laughed. I was, like, it made me feel so much better. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's a great story. And, and a really, I think, powerful way to illustrate what relationships can do from a leadership standpoint. So I'd love to, you know, while we're on the topic of leadership, jam a little bit more uh, about it and, you, know, you mentioned, <laughs> you joked, I guess, uh, about your speed and one of the reasons why you play catcher. But I, <laughs> I'd i have to imagine there are other attributes that you bring to the table that make you not just from a skills standpoint, a, a good catcher, but from a leadership standpoint. Now, I played baseball. Baseball is obviously a very similar sport to softball. And it's been my belief for as long as I've played that catcher is one of, if not the most important position on the field from a leadership perspective. So, I'm wondering, given that and the importance that you have on the field, have you, you know, taken it upon yourself to build relationships with your teammates off the field so that they trust you, they have confidence in you when you're calling out plays, when you're communicating, because you have that vantage point that nobody else has, right? Like you're the only one that can see the entire yeah. field on defense, whereas everyone else is looking in at you. So yeah, there's, there's that 
different connection, I guess, as a catcher. So I'd love to hear a little bit more about like what you're doing off the field with your teammates in order to build that trust. Cause it's one thing to be able to build it with your pitchers, which is obviously super important, but I, I imagine there are times when other teammates, it comes into play as well. Yeah. Especially right now. Like it's hard. Like that's one of the things I've been working on is building a connection with those. Like we're, I would say like we lost a few people this year. We're like, we got to adjust the freshmen as well, but it's also COVID and it's making those connections. Um, I try to make an effort to like hang out with as many, many of them as possible, whether it's get, getting lunch or I know I always recommend, like, I always say like take one class with a teammate. And if like I took a class, my fresh note, my sophomore year, Chloe Smith, who's our third, one of our third basemen who I'm super close with. She's a year younger than me. Um, we took a math class together and that like really like solidified our friendship. And we took an English class we always try to like, that's like our thing. We always try to take a class together, even though we're two completely different majors. We just make sure like to have that time. Like we always get lunch. I know um, one of the freshmen, I'm addicted to this energy drink called, I'm not, I, I'm, I shouldn't say the name of it because I don't want the NCAA to jump out the window and like kill me. <laughs> um, I really like this energy drink at the vitamin shop. And I got like, that was like, I'm, I was like, freshman, you're coming with me to get this energy drink. I need you. Like they wanted to try it. And then we ended up going on like a whole adventure of ending up at like Trader Joe's and like all this stuff. And then we do like team bonding, which is like, like it was so much, it was so, it's a lot different to make those connections now in COVID, but in a way it's forcing us to strengthen those relationships and cherish the time that we have with each other. Um, and I love like, like one, only one of my roommates is on softball. And we weren't that close before this year. Now she's like one of my best friends and I trust her on and off the field. Um, But it's all about like, even just like the slightest things. It's like, maybe you just like walk back to the parking lot together and just talk. And sometimes like, even like, that's one of the things I've noticed, especially um, with female college athletes that we tend to keep a lot in because we want to be tough on the field. But there's some days that even Bridget says it all the time. There's some days where the world's not going to go your way and you're going to come to practice after you, I don't know, from personal experience, get a 17 on your Irish midterm and you're going to be upset. <laughs> but it's all about how you're like, if your teammates used to be like, Hey, like if you want to talk, I'm here. If you want me to make you laugh, I'm here. It's establishing those boundaries and that way, that way of compassion to your teammates that helps you on the field eventually. So do you, you see yourself then as someone that your teammates can come to with some of those deeper conversations, you know, maybe something that is a little bit more personal that they don't maybe necessarily want the whole team to know something's going on, yeah. but they do want to talk about it. And because you've extended a lending hand in the past, they said, okay, I can go to Ryan. I know I can trust her. She's not going to blab to the whole team about it. And I'm not going to be embarrassed. Like, do you feel like that's something you've been able to cultivate with your teammates? I really hope so. I really try to be there. Um, I've always like, I've, like I always reach out. Um, I'm a big, like I've, I'll be straight up. I've suffered from really bad anxiety and depression. Um, and going through that alone is really, it's really hard, especially with the stresses of being a student athlete. Um, like finding passions outside of like your identity outside of being a student athlete. It's really stressful. And I always like want, no matter what team you're on, like any sport or anyone, I just kind of naturally like want to have those. I want to be there for people cause I've been through it. And 
it could be like anything. I know like even like with the election, like I'm like, it's even the tiny things like helping people register the vote or like sending like my one teammate wanted like something about like I'm focused on performance of like gender and stuff and like in life and like my teammates will text me at one o'clock in the morning. Hey, can you help me with this? Hey, can you just talk me through this? Like I love when a teammate texts me. Like one of my teammates today just texted me about like professors and classes. I'm like, hey, like just call me up. I want to talk to you about it. I love talking to people and like helping people through it because looking back, maybe those are the moments I didn't have the most experience with and I didn't have someone to reach out to. Or maybe I wasn't comfortable enough to reach out to someone. I want to, I don't want people looking back on their life and not thinking they had someone. Yeah, that's really powerful. And I appreciate you sharing the vulnerability of, you know, going through something like depression and anxiety that has long for terrible reasons, I'm sure, uh, had this terrible stigma attached to it. But yeah, I'd go as far to venture and say that maybe on the anxiety side, especially uh, that, that, that's like having the common cold, like oh, you know, yeah. everyone, everyone deals with anxiety yeah. and, you know, maybe not full blown clinical depression for everybody. You know, maybe that's more like getting pneumonia or something like that from a, a physical sickness standpoint, but it's just, it's amazing to me how, you know, it's 2020 by this episode is going to come out early in 2021. And the, the stigma has definitely been erased a little bit, but there's still something there. And especially when you're that young. And then, I mean, you already mentioned, it. I mean, girls have this like extra layer to everything that they're, they're trying to do. And they're trying to fight through all the establishments from the, the boys clubs and, and just, you know, it's, it's crazy. And, and so like, you know, how, how do you, how do you, make sure that you are healthy, like from a mindset standpoint in order to help other people, because like I'm in the belief that you can't help other people if you're not healthy yourself. So like, how do you ensure that you are staying healthy? You are realizing your triggers and you are able to fully help people if they come to you for help or advice. Um, I'm still in the process of kind of figuring out like what triggers me, how to cope with it. Um, my anxiety got to, like, this point. I always naturally, I was always the nervous kid. I was always like, wait, my mom's going to find out. Or, like, <laughs> like, do you hear that? Like, I always, like, was nervous. And I don't know if it's, like, the, I my, I describe it as, like, the older sibling syndrome. Uh, like, just your mom's going to find you. But um, I, last year, there was a point I would get this feeling in practice just in my chest. And it was, I was like, that's not right. And it turns out that, like, there's a voice inside some people's heads with anxiety and you have to learn to not invite them to where you're going. That's, I personify my anxiety, anxiety. That's like the, one of the things that's really helped me. Um, it's just, so I'm like, you make, I like wrote it down. Like I drew their characteristics. I analyze, I'm a visual person and I like to make stories. Um, so I gave them a name. I gave them like what they wear and I just stopped inviting them. I stopped visualizing them at the field with me. I stopped, um, like, thinking about her. It's a her. <laughs> um, but I also, like, it took me a really long time. I go to therapy once a week, which is often stigmatized for student-athletes. It's also very hard for student-athletes that I realized um, just with scheduling. Um, it's just really hard to manage, like, hey, like, I want to be the best athlete physically, but I also need to be the best person mentally. Um, and I try to like 
find ways outside. I was talking to actually one of our assistant coaches about this, Gabby. And I was like, I'm doing a lot better because I'm doing a lot more stuff outside of softball. And that's like a whole, like my schedule is like, if you look at my Google calendar, I feel like some people, it looks like a Pablo Picasso painting. (laughs) There's so many colors, so many this, but I'll be straight up like this fall, even though we didn't have a season, I thought I didn't like, this was probably my best fall. And I've struggled if like you, if like people are looking at this and looking at my stats, they're not too hot. I'm going to be honest with you. And I know that, but I also now don't like the fall. No, the summer after my freshman year, I went back to my hitting coach and I said, I suck. I suck. I suck. I suck. And he was like, Hey, it's in the past. Don't let that person define who you're going to be in six months. And that's what kind of I've been living. That's what I've been living by. I can't let that person, I can't let that personified anxiety keep on following me wherever I go. Yeah, I love it. And again, just want to thank you for sharing that. And as some, this podcast is not about me, it's about you. But as someone who also had been diagnosed with clinical depression when I was in college, I'm here for you and, and for everyone else too. You know, don't hesitate to reach out to people like us. Like we, we have been through, it. it's not to say that we're experts or we're psychologists and we can treat you in that way, but we can certainly be there if you need to talk. So please 100%. don't hesitate. <laughs> yeah. Please don't hesitate to do that. So I want to go back to uh, talking about some of the communication or the engagement challenges that you're having off the field at this point due to COVID. And I know this is uh, not to talk about COVID, but I know that this is a challenge that a lot of people are having, not just in college softball, but uh, across all industries. And so, you know, as far as some of the things that you mentioned, I mean, there's still some uniqueness to your experience because you are on campus and uh, safely you can social distance and be around people, whereas uh, not everybody has that opportunity, whether they're working remotely and uh, they don't even maybe live in the same city as some of their coworkers and different things like that. So uh, have you come across just like maybe one or two really good examples of something that you can share with us to say like, wow, this was impactful from an engagement communication standpoint and something we probably would have never done had COVID never entered the conversation. Is there anything that like stands out? Um, what I, so I'm trying to think of my best ones. Cause I've been, I feel like I have been on zoom or socially distanced mindset for the last, like ever since I've gotten to school. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I honestly, I've, I enjoy zoom as much as my, most people hate it. Um, <laughs> do what I recommend is online classes, online classes right now. I'm a person who I realized in the last year is I love talking to random people. That's what I miss the most. Um, what I realized, like the other day I went to Trader Joe's and I was looking at the Buffalo chicken dip and I was talking to myself because I, I just talked to myself and this guy started talking to me about Buffalo chicken dip and I made a new friend and that I was like, that's what I miss. I miss coffee shop talk. Yeah. And you can find coffee shop talk in these online classes I've taken online writing classes where you just have workshops with people. I joined writing groups. I joined podcasting networks. And I just talk to random people and share stories. Um, with like reaching out to coworkers, I honestly recommend hopping on a Zoom call and just like what our comm department calls a water cooler talk through a Zoom. 
and it could be yeah. a virtual happy hour. I'm going to say that because I am 21. It's, <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> virtual happy hour. Um, like that was, that's also one of the things I really miss. So I'm a comm student. And one thing I, I love about Villanova is the professors. Um, I'm, I literally was just talking to professors today, like an hour after class. I enjoy talking to professors about their theses. I like to know like their dogs. Like I love building that connection. And with the mask, it's really hard. Um, and the comm department is known for like just the professors to be in the hallway all day and like bring their dogs and you just walk up and down. The like that's what I did like on my off day on pre-COVID was just wander around the comm department. And I don't have that anymore because of COVID, but they do like virtual office hours and you can drop by and just talk to people. And it's hard. It's Zoom fatigue is real. But if you create a connection with people, you need to put the effort because once this all ends, you people who you are reaching out to are going to be the ones reaching out to you to hang out with and enjoy that time physically together. And it sucks. It's hard, but it's worth it. Yeah, and I think to your point, like there are still so many opportunities to socialize. They just look different than they did in the past. Like you you could always do a writing workshop in person. And now most of the writing workshops are virtually and you can still engage with people. So I, I guess like the, the biggest point or maybe the biggest takeaway is A, find those type of things, whether they're hobbies or potential side hustles or whatever it is that you're interested in. But B, don't just get on the Zoom call and put yourself on mute and not say yeah. anything. Yeah, that's like showing up and not saying anything physically in person. So you have to you have to, I think, be you know, extra co cognizant about making those connections and like actually engaging in conversation, because I think it can be super easy to put it on mute, be on your phone, look around, you know, your TV's on maybe in the, in the background, whatever's going on. And to be a little bit more intentional with your time on Zoom, I think makes it something that is worth doing versus something that could be mindless, like scrolling through social media, for example. Exactly. And even like with Zoom, do you like when people are like, if you're in a big, like if you're giving a presentation, you don't enjoy when people turn off their camera and put on mute. No one likes that. You want to set the tone for other people to be able to reach out to you and talk to you. That's my, yeah. I hate when people turn off their camera during class. I <laughs> I do it during, if at the entire class has their camera off, my camera's off. But when it's like one person, come on, just turn it on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I get it, you know, turn it off maybe for a second if you got to move or, you know, some, yeah. somebody popped into the background or whatever it is. We all, we all have things that pop oh, yeah. up, but um, yeah, I think that, you know, we're, we're doing it right now. It, the, the software that we're recording off of doesn't have video feature, but we're on a zoom call in addition to this so that we can physically or virtually see each other because there's just certain cues and things that you pick up. And I find it as engaging, I guess, as you can get in a virtual world. So that's, uh, that's the way we're going to go about it. But, uh, <laughs> let's, let's circle back to the softball field and talk a little bit more about your position and some of the weight that you carry, uh, not just with your equipment that's on you, but <laughs> <laughs> the, the responsibilities of a catcher. Now, when your dad 
kind of nudged you into putting the gear on for the first time, like as far as that leadership responsibility goes, was that something that even popped into your mind to say like, Hey, this is a position that commands, like you, you have to almost be somebody who can be loud enough to communicate, you know, get over the crowd noise and that you can't, you can't be a church mouse if you're going to be the catcher of a baseball or softball team. (laughs) My dad, I remember ever since I started catching, he's like louder, louder. (laughs) And I'm like, what? I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, he is like, like, like one out, two to go, two down, two to go. Every single time he would like say, he would be like, be louder than me when I say it. And I like, that was every time I give catching lessons or like, like there's this little girl back home named Lily. And she always like asked me like what it takes to be a good catcher. I'm like, be loud. Yeah. I, it's not, you have to have confidence. And it's something I've struggled with and realized, um, and it's been a rocky slope, I will admit. But being a catcher, I think, like, it's literally, what is it, um, alliteration, catcher confidence. It's in, like, it's literally, and also you got to be a little caddy, too. If the other team's giving, like, a little cheering a little loud, you got to kind of be louder than them and give them a little bite back. <laughs> Sorry to interrupt, but I want to help you get fit. Christine here from Sweat With Sods. Being at home has a lot of people in a rut with their workouts, but you don't have to be. My HIT at home workouts require no equipment and can be done in 30 minutes or less. And if HIT isn't for you, I also design custom programs that can be done virtually, in person, or a combination of both. I put my years of experience teaching classes and personal training into all of my programs. I've worked with lots of people and helped them achieve very different goals. So what are you waiting for? Head to sweatwithstats.com today. And don't forget that as a listener to this podcast, you can get a discount with code DYNAMIC at checkout. Can't wait to hear from you. And now, back to the show. So so how do you balance being loud with still communicating effectively and not just you know, screaming things because, uh, and I'm sure you've seen it before, maybe not just on a softball field, but there are certainly people who are very loud that you can just completely tune out because what they're saying either doesn't make sense or they're coming across as like a general patent or something like that. And that type of leadership just doesn't work in today's world. So like, how do you balance the ability to, to be loud, uh, but actually still be heard by your teammates? Does that make sense? Yeah. What I've learned is um, body language is key. Good, good. Um, My, especially like my, the one example that's popping into my head right now is say like um, someone gets nailed with a line drive. Nailed. Like, like timeout, mean elevation steps on first base. Um, It's not like, hey, are you, oh, I I realize I have a mic. (laughs) But like, hey, are you okay? Or you step out and be like, hey, like that. The movement, like right now, you can't see, but like my hands up, and I'm like, "Hey, like using your eyes, um, using your body to even like calm someone down or even hype someone up." Like my favorite thing, sometimes I don't even mean to do it. I like do this or like a chest bump to myself, um, or apparently I jump around like a little cartoon character, which I realized my teammates told me the other day I do that during practice. I act like a little, um, like. I filmed it in a vlog that is on my YouTube channel. It's like really funny, but like they pointed it out to me, but it's like your body language plays so much in your role as a leader. And I've learned that um, like you can't like say like you're a catcher and you're oh for five. I am speaking from personal experience right now. Um, 
you can't go up on the cat like to the plate when you're catching and just shrug your shoulders and be like, oh, just throw throw three outs and let's get out of here. No, shoulders back. Your pitcher relies on your energy. Yeah, everything is energy based. If you're gonna, everyone's looking at you necessarily. They are looking at the batter too, but they're mostly looking at you. The eyes go the same way, and they if they see a catcher who's pouting and being little Miss Sad Face. They're not going to feel that great. They're not going to get hyped up. You control the energy that's in the stadium. Yeah, I love that. And it's reminding me being a parent is somewhat similar to that in the sense that, especially when, you know, so for example, my daughter's a little over three months old now. She obviously can't communicate like you and I can with actual words. We communicate, but in a different way. And one of those ways is definitely the energy that is given off by me and my wife. And she can sense it. Like when we're when we're stressed out, she starts to get a little cranky and fussy. So it's important for us to remember that, hey, if we're putting out some negative energy here, that's going to reverberate all the way to our three month old daughter. And then that's going to turn into maybe a sleepless night and something like that. So, I mean, the, the energy part I think is so real and, and I love that because it plays into the body language and it, and it just plays into, I think your confidence and your ability, like you almost have to be a quarterback where you have that, yeah. that you just forget about, you just threw an interception. You got to forget about it. You got to go right back out there and try to throw, you know, the, the next great pass and everything. And as a catcher, you almost have to have that quick forgetting mentality and be able to move on because not just your pitcher, but your entire team relies on that positive energy that you're giving off. Yeah. I remember um, my journalism professors, he's big on sports. He loved the softball team. And he was like, the pitcher's the quarterback. And I remember, nope, the catcher's the quarterback. The catcher is the quarterback. Everyone relies on the catcher in one way or another, whether it's being a pickoff or a pitch or to pick me up, more alliteration. Um, they rely on the catcher. And that's what my mom's a yoga teacher. And I used to be very resentful of the energy and the auras. And, <laughs> and not until last year did I kind of was like, hey, you're kind of right there. <laughs> I kind of get it now. And she's like, yeah. Energy is not doing that great today. <laughs> uh, but now I'm the like I'm also the teammate. Who, I'm also that's like one of the things is like I'm big on like positive energy before games. Um, before every game last season, I carry a little pouch of essential oils that has different labels. It's like good energy, balance, um, motivation, and I would give it to every like I'm like what do you need today? And I do that, and I also like meditate before games in the outfield. I look a little crazy, but it works. It really works. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> like I walk, I, my, the other catcher passes out. Cause I smell like really straight up, like really strong lavender, but it works. <laughs> I can't wait for somebody to listen to this and be like, I'm going to try that out and see how it goes. <laughs> you get like an NCAA article. Lavender is now banned from NCAA events. <laughs> <laughs> that is hilarious. <laughs> All right, Ryan. So we've talked a lot about softball and athletics, and obviously that is a huge part of your life. And you've also mentioned that you like to check a lot of other boxes. And one of the boxes that fascinates me the most about what you're doing is pursuing comedy. And 
not I'm not just saying like, hey, you're reading books about it. Like you're going out to comedy clubs when now it's virtual, but you're putting yourself out there. You have your own podcast. You are obviously a communications major and learning, I'm sure, how to write and speak better than the majority of Americans out there these days. So <laughs> I, I, uh, I I'm. I'm not surprised that I've laughed a bunch of times on this podcast already because you have a great personality and you just are able to make, make things, you know, be comedy is such a hard thing, I think, to do really well. And for you to come off as naturally as you do, I think just lends itself to say that you probably have something here that you can work toward. And, and if you want to pursue it and continue to pursue it after college, that can be something that, that you do and be successful about. But tell us a little bit more about like where the love for comedy came from, what you're trying to do with it. Just give us some insight into that world. Yeah. Um, well, thank you for all those kind words. It makes me really happy people. That makes me happy when people find me funny and stuff. <laughs> but um I, growing up, laughter was um, something I always, it was like my drug. Um, it was, whether I was laughing or making someone laugh, like my grandfather and my family makes me laugh every day. They're a bunch of kooks. Um, and I kind of got addicted to that feeling, that rush that is laughter. And I started, like, I was like, hey, I'm kind of funny. I think, I always thought my sister was more funny, Maggie. She's a lot more funnier than me. That's not even grammar. But um, I just kind of realized, like, I grew up, I always would make films. Like, whenever my friends would come over, I'm like, hey, let's make a movie. Let's let's do this. Like, let's do this. And they're like, Ryan, shut up. <laughs> but then I got to high school, and I'm like, you know what? I'll be a business person. Nope. That did not work out well for me because that involves math. But then I was trying to figure out. I was I liked theater. I liked writing. Got to college kind of like figuring out and then um i just started writing i got hooked onto john mulaney dana carvey old snl and i just kind of started writing and it the sketches i'm writing now i used to write them like that's childish that's stupid that's this and i threw it aside for a while i was like i need to focus on real art and write serious dramas and i realized i suck at that (laughs) and um Like, the weirdest, like, I kind of let my inspiration take control and not put limits on it now. Like, the the one thing I'm working on right now, I'm writing, like, a little play or movie. Um, I got it while running, um, this idea, to listening. I was listening to Timberland's Carry Out featuring Justin Timberlake. And now I'm writing a whole play based on that energy that song gave me. And it's just, I love making people laugh. I love meeting new people i love sharing stories and this back and forth connection even like with you like the people i have on my podcast like instant connection and i think laughter does that and a lot of people often forget how therapeutic and compassionate laughter essentially is it's life-changing so powerful and in a lot of ways it's the same conversation that we just had about being loud but being heard when you hear comedy, you know, sometimes you just think of like class clowns. You just think people being funny, not taking things seriously, but I'm sure that your aspirations in comedy and your ability to make people laugh and to connect in those ways has also helped you in competition or even just in general build relationships with people. 
Yeah. I I think one of the things I've been working on is using laughter to help me when I'm sucking. Um, I, like, now I, like, especially if I'm hitting bad at practice on one day, I'm like, you know what? You win some, you lose some. And I'll, like, make a joke about, like, I'll make fun of my swing. Like, if I swing and miss, I'll, like, walk out of the batter's box and, like, like, do a fake stupid swing. I'm like, oh, look how stupid I was. And then my coach is like, Ryan, get back in the box. I'm like, oh, I'm having fun. <laughs> um, but I, I, it's really helped me a lot. Um, whether it's like self-deprecating humor like that, or I literally just finished editing something that's going up tomorrow for, I did like a parody on like, Twas the Night Before Christmas, but it was like, Twas the Day of the Election at Villanova. That's going up tomorrow. I'm a little nervous, but um, just exploring different aspects of comedy, whether like it's making fun of my mom or like what she doesn't really like, but um, or making fun of the squirrels on campus. I love making people laugh. And my favorite thing is like if I post like one of my um, articles or one of my videos on uh, Facebook, all of the elderly aunts commenting saying, this is wonderful, honey. This is so amazing. <laughs> I don't know what you mean, but it's lovely. I'm like that makes my day. That ma when it laughter is universal and ageless, I love it. <laughs> yeah, you definitely have something there when they don't even know why it's funny, and you got people laughing, right? <laughs> that, like I love, I love. It's it makes like especially with stand up when I hear laughter or hear laughter like on a Zoom call. Like it, it really like it helps me sleep better at night. <laughs> Oh man, that's so funny. And I'm seriously looking forward to the day that you're on SNL and I'm going to say, wow, I remember the first time I connected with Ryan and now look at her and she's doing it big time on SNL with all those legends that you mentioned. And I mean, that's a show that my wife, we just watched John actually, he hosted this past it's uh, so week. good <laughs> and uh yeah we just watched the episode last night because we're not staying up until 11 30 <laughs> these days so uh but it's uh it's just so funny it's one of those it's one of those professions that i absolutely love and adore and i think the people that do that type of work are amazing i don't know that i could ever do it and i wonder if that's like something to it for me like why i get so amazed by it because it's kind of like music for me too where i love music and then i see musicians play like whether an instrument like the drums or the guitar and i'm like man i don't know if i could ever do that as much work as i put in with like my business for example i don't know that i could ever be as a good musician or ever as good a comedian as some of my favorite comedians and like there's just something special and like again it seems like you know, at least from my perspective, that you have that special knack to do it. So, you know, I'm, I, I would just, I'm so excited to see where that future goes for you because I, I just really do think that it could be something really special for you. Thank you. I appreciate that. I just, it's always like with comedy, there's always the risk. It's also like, I want to be able to pay for my insulin in four years. <laughs> so we hope it all works out. And I, it's, I, growing up, my, family is like do what you love yeah. like and i love this i like i never made content like this before in my four, three years of being a student here and this is by far my favorite year because i'm one busy every hour of the day but it's i'm making stuff i love sure. and i get to do the stuff that i never thought i could do i used to think hey i, I can never get up on stage or i can never play a character 
Like, I literally, like, have been, like, playing, making up characters and playing them like I was when I was five. <laughs> and it's so liberating. Like, I never thought I would be able to, like, have, like, that childlike wonder again. And I tell my mom every day, like, I've never been this happy in my life. Yeah. Like, and I really, like, that's one of the things I think everyone needs. Like, I was just talking to a professor about this today. Like, comedians use laughter to deal with trauma. Mm-hmm. And he's 100% right. and i think everyone should use comedy to help them laugh it's one of the things of grief i think we all failed to address is looking back and laughing at those moments yeah yeah absolutely and i just there's something about comedy like being able to well so have i ever told you the michael chase story i guess is where i'll start this (laughs) so uh, i want to hear this yeah yeah so i'm sure you know who michael Che is obviously weekend update host on SNL and he was on Conan O'Brien's podcast sometime uh, this past year. And they were talking about how he got the gig on SNL. And it was really (laughs) to your point, like, you know, comedy is much like a lot of those specialty industries where you have to be like the best of the best in order to really stand out comedy is one of those things that i mean if you have responsibilities and things that you need to pay for not everybody can afford to go to every open mic and hope that you get your lucky break and you know spend 10 years grinding and sleeping on your couch like bill burr did and you know different things like that um, but michael che made a really good point in the interview with conan where he said the majority of people that he knows and and i'm this is the majority of people I know, and I'm sure it's the majority of people that you know, end up doing something at the sacrifice of not doing what they really want. Like they, they sacrifice their happiness for something that is maybe comfortable, but most times not even comfortable in order to like be super happy in, in their own life. And like for Michael Che, that moment was he was unemployed <laughs> and he was going to literally every open mic that he could go to. And he said one time Colin showed up, Colin Jost showed up. He saw him do it. He loved him. He was like, hey, we're looking for people part time. Come on, write some jokes and SNL. Do you want to try it out? And he said, yeah. He's like, what else do I got to do? And he said, it, it's just crazy to think that his like unemployment led to him being able to do what he loved for free, go to all these open mics and then get a part-time gig with SNL. I think he said like three or four months later, they were like, do you want to co-host? We can update because <laughs> you're amazing. Yeah. And, they, and it's just like, you know, it doesn't obviously happen that way for everybody. And and obviously Michael Che is a special talent, talent on top of the hard work that I'm sure he puts in. But the point is that I think a lot of us box ourselves into this like, Oh, I can't do that. Like I just did it. I was like, I could, I could never play the guitar. Like, you know, someone who's Jimi Hendrix or something like that, but why not? Like if I put the work in, yeah. you know, why not? It's just, what are you willing to sacrifice to get there? Yeah, exactly. And I think all good things come with a sacrifice either before or after the fact. Yeah. And it's a hard thing to grasp, but I think if you really care about something, it's worth it in the end. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. All right, Ryan, we got a couple minutes left here before we both got to run with our crazy busy schedules. So kind of on the same topic, I've heard this question on a podcast. It's called Just Women's Podcast. And the host asked this question to all the guests at the end. So I'm borrowing it for my own podcast because I find it really interesting. And I'm wondering from your perspective really quickly, as far as luck versus hard work, we'll say goes 
what would you say, like if you had to pick a percentage, what would you say is what you've been able to achieve and what you're looking to achieve is hard work versus luck? Like, is it, is it 90, 10? Is there any type of percentage popping into your mind? The, the impulse percentage is 99.9% hard work. <laughs> okay. And 0.1% luck. And I am, I believe in luck. My tattoo is a four leaf clover. Like <laughs> I believe in luck. But for the things that are really tough in life and the, the things you actually like, there's, there's luck. You get a, you win $10 off a scratch off or someone buys you a drink at the bar. But the things you care about, like playing D1, playing for a coach you love, playing, um, like playing in the big East, starting a successful podcast, starting like being like being those things, they don't happen like, Oh, like this is the algorithm. Da, 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 da. Yeah. No, like, Everything comes with hard work. Like you could say like, oh, my coach saw me at the right moment. Well, what did it take for you to get to that moment? You had to train to be on the team. Your team had to make that game. It's a big domino effect. Like I'm one of the things I really would love to be as a director. And one of the things is triggers and heaps. What is the trigger that brings you to that moment? What action brings you to that moment? And I think that goes directly with life. Actions lead to heaps and you want to get to that heap. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. And I think you point out very beautifully that luck does play like I believe in luck too. But you're pointing out my theory in all of this is that you get luckier the harder you work. And that's not to say like just mindlessly work at something that you're not making any progress at, but you're putting yourself in positions to get lucky. You you know, receive that lucky bounce as I call it from a, using a basketball term. So yeah, I, I think you're proving my point. Not that you need to prove my point, but <laughs> I think. No, I, yeah. Yeah. The, that's uh, always a really interesting conversation to have around luck and hard work. And I think that you pointed that out in your description of everything. So uh, Brian, before I get to my last question here for you, if uh, a couple things I'd like for you to plug for us, uh, tell people about your podcast, what's the name of it, where can they find it? Uh, and also tell us where can we follow your journey right now in softball on social media and later maybe in comedy and further on. Yeah. Um, so I host a podcast. It's like a storytelling comedy hot mess um it's a big basically a stream of my consciousness i interview people i'm gonna have colin on my show definitely um it's just i've interviewed psychics political cartoonists i'm trying to get a dating coach to destroy me right now at this point um but it's called talking in zigzags uh it's on apple Podcasts, spotify anywhere that you can find a podcast you can follow it on instagram talking dot at dot no, talking.in.zig.zags. I don't know why I couldn't get the full name. I don't know who else has it, but that's that's a story for a different time. But and if you want to see um, what I actually look like behind this voice, you can follow me at ryanhenry.com underscore on Instagram. And then ryanhenry, the word dot com on Twitter. And you always can follow me on uh, Villanova because they usually post videos of me falling or something like that so <laughs> beautiful I will put all that information yeah. in the show notes for folks they can reference that really easily 
here in the future. And Ryan, before I let you go, so the show is called Dynamic Leaders. And I mean, geez, everything today that we've talked about and the way that you're leading on the field, off the field, what you're doing now, what you're going to do in the future, obviously, that is why you are on this show. But I love to give my guests an opportunity also to shout out someone in their own life who's really stood out from a leadership or just an influential standpoint. So do you have somebody that you want to give a quick shout out to here? Yeah, um, Chloe Smith. Chloe Smith. Um, usually, you think a leader is someone older than you. She is a year. She's a sophomore at Villanova. She's one of our third basemen. Um, she's. I mentioned her before, but she's someone who is both open to reach out to other people, and I can always reach out to her with my problems. And if like she knows when I'm having a bad day, I know when she's having a bad day. Um, and I think that's one of the things about being a leader is being you're not whole without other people. You can't be this person on a pedestal. Like, I am above all of you. No, you are human. You are, you're not God. You're, like, you are human and you can work with other people. And Chloe articulates that. Like, I tell my therapist all the time I want to be like Chloe Smith. Um, she doesn't take anyone, she doesn't take anyone's crap. She stands up for her friends. She will throw a punch during a game if she, someone crosses the line with one of our teammates. And, I love her to death. I can't see like my experience with Villanova without her. And in the last year, I'm forever grateful for her. And I hope she's listening to this because I actually, I think I'm getting ice cream with her after this. So, <laughs> Oh man, that's awesome. And what a great way to end the night for you. And what a great way for us to end this conversation with that shout out to Chloe. I see a introduction in the future. I think I might need to get you need to, to her. Chloe is, she's the, I don't know why she she's from California. I'm from New York City. I always say New York City. We get along real well. <laughs> yeah, and I love her. Opposite is the track. It's it's uh, it, it works every single time. That's for sure. But <laughs> well, Ryan, thank you so much for joining the show today, sharing your story, your expertise, your guidance. I'm sure there's a lot of people in softball and comedy and and other industries that are going to be able to learn from you. But I thank you so much for taking the time to do this today. Thank you for having me. I had a great time. I'm so happy. 